Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. It's The List and your boy with Jimmy Van and Sean Ross. All right, you guys are live. What's up, you guys? Sean Ross, managing editor of Fightful.com, FightfulWrestling.com, FightfulMMA.com. It is or not October. What the hell, Sean? Oh, man, it's January 31st. It you is The what, List you know, and your boy number 57, I think. You know what day it is today, Sean? Rusev Day. According to the hey Wendy, according to the Wendy's Twitter, it is Rusev Day. Did you see <laughs> yeah. that? I can confirm it is also Payday, motherfucker. Yeah, it is Payday. I'm a little bit poor today. <laughs> I I saw. So this is we're doing this January 31st. Wendy's Twitter. They were asked, "What do you know what day it is?" Wendy's Twitter responded and said, "It's Rusev Day." Yeah, they they have some sort of wrestling fan running that thing. Right. Well, uh, Little Caesars too. They do that. Oh yeah. Little. Because Little Caesars is a big one. They have like, they follow like 400 people, and half of them are wrestling personalities, yep. myself included. Wrestling personalities, wrestlers, okay. Okay. podcasters, writers. Yeah. All right. So uh, I want to start off by uh, I, I want to show off a little bit of uh, wrestling memorabilia. Yeah, sure. There, there's a story behind one of them. So I want to show off some wrestling memorabilia. Anybody that's listening to this on audio only, you're not going to be able to see this. I'll try to detail it the best I can. Anybody watching on YouTube can uh, can check it out. This was given to me by a friend. Both of these pieces were given to me by a friend who has connections. And this first one, I'm going to hold this up for a second right here. This first one. Racist! Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to get to it. you got to jump the gun, Sean. I'm going to get to uh. it. This right here 
That is a photo from when the NWO formed in uh, WCW. It's got Hogan, Hall, Nash, and Mean Gene Okerlund. All four of them signed it. It's a good size. I don't know what, what that is, but it's a good size piece, and, uh, and it's cool. So a buddy of mine sent that to me. I, uh, I posted a photo of it on Twitter, and I was actually essentially accused of being racist, <laughs> and I was told that I must not have black friends. And I, I was saying to Sean, I, find it, I just find it funny. I'm not offended. I find it funny, and I smile. Uh, because not only was I accused of being racist because I posted a photo that has Hulk Hogan in it, that was the point, I was gifted this photo. So I was accused of being racist for displaying a gift on Twitter. That makes it more funny to me. And the fact that I have a, uh, a Trinidadian Indian wife and interracial children. The whole thing is, is awesome. So that's the first piece. The second piece, let me tell you, Sean, if this first piece is pissing people off, the second one's going to really piss them off. All right? Check out this beauty right here. Look at that. Oh, boy. Wow. <laughs> this right here is by Storm Collectibles, and they are not paying me for this. Uh, just a buddy of mine gave me this because he's, uh, he's connected to Mr. Hogan here. So he gave me one of these. Look at the detail. So this thing here comes with two different heads. You can actually take the head off. Whoa. comes with two different heads. It comes with four different pairs of hands. Comes with like four different T-shirts, two different weight belts, two different sets of boots, two different sets of tights, two different bandanas, and the feather boas here, as you can see. Look how cool that thing is, man! Pretty impressive, isn't that? Isn't that something? And the the skin is like a rubber. Why do the wrists bend but the elbow doesn't? I don't know. That's just how it is. And and the and the the wristbands come off too. It comes with two different types of wristbands. Everything on this thing, and if I go close to the camera, look how detailed that is. That is. Yeah. Isn't that impressive? Making use of those scans. I have one. So there, there's a stand that came with it. Oh, no, a scan. Oh, a scan. The, scan. the face scans, yeah. I'm, I mean, I guess that's how they got them. I mean, look at that. Yeah, you can't create that by hand. It's pretty, no it's pretty impressive. So I wanted to show this off just because I thought it looked amazing. Apparently, they also make a, uh, an Iron Mike Tyson. This is uh, a company out of Japan, I think, called Storm Collectibles. They also make an Iron Mike Tyson. I'm going to get the Mike Tyson as well, except then I'm going to be called uh, 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 a lover of rapists <laughs> on Twitter. But, uh, but I'm, I'm probably going to get the Mike Tyson because as a kid, I was a big Iron Mike Tyson fan. So I just wanted to show that off because I thought that was just an amazing piece, this thing. I mean, you know, speaking of, with all due respect to Mattel, uh, memorabilia and merchandise, uh, word on the streets is WWE were not happy that we got an early copy of the Rusev Day calendar and had to rush the release after it was put out there. Yep. Because it was the very next day, wasn't it? Sure was. Really? Mm -hmm. Interesting. Rusev owes us one then for that because he's going to get royalties a little bit sooner. Yeah. So I would agree. That's good. Well, going back to this, with, with all due respect to Mattel, Mattel stuff is really cool. With all due respect to Mattel, this thing kicks Mattel's ass. But uh, obviously they're not going to make 3,000 of them the way they have all of the Mattel figures. But, yeah, that's, that's pretty cool. I think it's pretty impressive, yeah, so I wanted to show that off. So uh, I guess we'll start with some breaking news today. Oh, and by the way, one, one quick thing, just to show you that I'm, I'm the bigger man, I don't hold grudges, I have some uh, reader questions that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to answer later in the podcast, and that guy that called me a racist, one of the questions is from him. Ha! Just, just because <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm a fair dude, I don't, I don't get offended by stuff, man. It's all, it's all uh, in jest to me. So, so it, was, it was reported today, uh, January 31st, by Robbie Fox from Barstool Sports. That WrestleMania 35 next year is apparently going to go back to MetLife Stadium in New York, New Jersey. Uh, that's where WrestleMania 29 was held. 
and apparently they're targeting April 7th, 2019. What do you think? They're going to go back to the cold elements, Sean. It's dumb. I yeah, you don't like it? Real dumb. Yeah. I think that, I mean, they have the ring that, that's heated and all that stuff, but you never know what the weather will be in early April there. Uh, you know, if it, I would wait until maybe that area had a dome or something like that that could maybe house it a little bit better. But right. other than that, I'd, I would rather see like the Phoenix area or the Florida area or the Texas area. Take it to warm weather cities or take it to a place that has a dome, for the love of God. I mean, <clears throat> the Super Bowl is in Minnesota this week, but they have a dome. So Yeah, but they also – football is, is, is traditionally done in cold weather anyway. The fans are, are accustomed to it. You know. Yeah, but I mean, it doesn't hurt if you're going to have a Super Bowl and have 60,000, 70,000 people in town. And No, no. I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm guessing that MetLife Stadium is making it worth WWE's while to do it. Oh, I'm right? sure. So, because they, they uh, I think I've told you this before, Nigel, uh, WWE, they take bids from cities now, just like super, the Super Bowl. Oh, okay. So they probably got a pretty good offer to go back. Because they were only there, that would have been six years between between uh, WrestleManias. So they probably got Yeah, I off. saw uh, my buddy Ticket Drew from Ticket King Online had alluded months ago to the fact that it would be in the New York area, and I was like, man, that's that's a rough one that time of the year because, I mean, it was cold. I remember a lot of my friends that, that went there for that show, and it was it was a chilly, chilly day. Right, right. Well, we'll see what happens. So, uh, okay, let's talk SmackDown. Sure. Um, now, I don't know. I know that the Road Dog is the head of creative for SmackDown. Uh-huh. I don't know if he has a hand in production. Do you know if he has a hand in production? <clears throat> I don't. I'll okay. find out. If he has a hand in production, and the Road Dog's never going to see this, but in case you ever come upon it somehow, I understand that the Performance Center has classes about production. Like, you can go to the Performance Center in Orlando, and you can take production classes. If the Road Dog had a hand in the production of SmackDown this week, I want you to do yourself a favor Call Triple H, ask if you can go to Orlando and take some production classes. If the Road Dog had nothing to do with it, then whoever was involved in the production of SmackDown, please, for, for all of us, go to the Performance Center and take some production classes. SmackDown this week was basically the Batman TV show from, like, the 50s when they would have the words for the, for the, for the punches, you know? They'd be like, pow, kabam, and they would put the words on the screen. Do you remember that? That show from the 50s? I do. That was SmackDown this week, Sean. They access did that when they first promoted uh, New Japan, and it got a lot of blowback because people thought they were trying to cartoon up a product that didn't need to be cartooned up. Yeah, right. I'll say this, Jimmy. You are so lucky to have me because you're just getting older and older, and you're not in touch with what's hip and what. Oh, here like, we go. I've got oh, and you are on the pulse. Oh, do you really? I am the Triple H to your Vince McMahon. Oh, that's cute, Jimmy. Here's the thing. Yeah. Jimmy, here's the thing. I know what's going on. And Uh everybody else needs to know what's going on. Uh They need to know that when it comes to pro wrestling, Fightful has it locked down. When it comes to MMA, we have it locked down. When it comes to boxing, we have it locked down. And when it comes to crossover sports coverage, Fightful has it locked down. I can't believe you had a hand in that, Nigel. I can't believe you had a hand in that. Yeah, he asked me this morning, so. Uh, you might be due for a pay cut on that one. <laughs> yeah, I figured I'd get hacked So, uh, So, uh, okay, for anybody that didn't see SmackDown, we should probably explain ourselves. 
So they did something new this I just week. Did. <laughs> well, you kind of did, but but there was no graphic. Thank God, there was no graphic. But uh, they did something new this week, and there were two elements to it. There was the Usos in-ring promo, which is what Sean just alluded to, where they did an in-ring promo. And the Usos, and I've said this before, the Usos stink on the microphone. Stink. You are high as a right? kite. You think they're good? I love them on the mic. Are you crazy? I love them on the mic. Okay, Sean is uh, having a mental breakdown right now because the Usos stink on the mic. You weren't so racist, you would like Yeah, I would, I would, yeah. yeah. (laughs) They stink, their promos suck, they should never be allowed to do a live promo ever again. This needs to be the thing about Jimmy. You need to get all the random comments where people are like, you're racist like SRS says. Because I get the ones that are like from a year ago. You're sensitive, just like Jimmy says. Oh, Drink yeah. another monster, bro. <laughs> you know how many of those I get. Man, maybe he's hyped up on all that monster. <laughs> and that's what that's what they sound like? I would imagine so. Yeah. A little bit like Garth Hager, a little bit. I don't know who that is. It's uh, uh, the dude from uh, Wayne's World. Oh, there we go. Yeah. So, uh, okay, so during the Usos live promo in the ring, they did exactly what Sean just did. They would, like, name a team they beat, and they'd say, you know, like, the New Day. Right. But then not only would they have the sound, they had a graphic of a jail door closing on the screen every time they said it. And it was, and I know you're not supposed to use this word anymore because it's offensive, but it was retarded. All right? It was. And then... They're doing these selfie promos lately. What, 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 what's up with the selfie promos? And those are bad enough. And they're really dumb and they're stupid. And they don't make sense for a pro wrestling show that's supposed to be uh, stage combat sports to have. It's just stupid. But anyway, not only are they doing the selfie promos, this week during the selfie promos, which were clearly pre-taped, obviously, they would put a graphic of certain buzzwords on the screen after they said them. Like, certain buzzwords, Daniel Bryan, I didn't write down any examples, but uh, if Daniel Bryan would say, like, the SmackDown, what is it, top ten list, Sean? Yeah, on the screen, the, the, the moment Daniel Bryan would say the words top ten list, the screen would have the graphic of those words, top ten list. And they did it for, what, Rusev's promo, uh, they did it for uh, Bobby Roode's promo, they did it for Braun and Alexa's uh, Mixed Match Challenge promo, uh, they did it for the, remember before the Usos went to the ring? For their promo, they did a little backstage one. They did it for that. What the hell is that? What was that? When it comes to the phone promos, like they're stupid and corny, and you can tell that it was it was motivated by Mojo Raleigh cutting a good one. I've mentioned this a few times. As Alex said on our post show, the phone part of that wasn't what made it good. Right, (laughs) it just happened to be in front of a phone. And I look at it like this too. If if you if you think of remember Miz and Baron Corbin, right? Yeah. It worked because it was on social media. And it was just good. Yeah, it was but, just good. But it, it was, was on, real. It was it was real. It was on social media. So if they want to let the guys do that on social media, let them do it on social media. To, ha- to, to stage a thing where Bobby Roode's standing in front of a calendar, supposedly holding on to a cell phone camera while he's cutting a promo, it, it's just stupid. I it's can't stupid. wait to find out if it's really a cell phone they're holding or if they just filter it to make it look like it. Possibly. Because they, if if it's a real cell phone, they have some steady hands. First off, right? But yeah, it's like, man, maybe I like it a little bit better than having some random interviewer who can't ask very good questions stare off into space, or have Baron Corbin say, "How do I feel?" 
and re re ask the question. But they got Renee it's Young. Little, Renee Young can, an, you know. Yeah, it's an improvement over that, in my opinion. But that's like saying that, like, one dump I took was better than the other. Like, they both suck. They're <laughs> terrible. You know what I mean? Well, I thought it was stupid. And I don't know why they're doing it. And I don't understand the buzzword thing on the screen. Have you, like, talked to anybody? Why are you doing the stupid? Okay, because I want to know why are you doing the stupid buzzwords. And the thing is, they don't even look nice, those graphics, for the buzzwords. Like, I, I, I think I could put that together myself in, like, ten minutes. Like, they didn't look that nice. So what the hell is going on? Are they doing, like, an internship program, maybe? They brought in a bunch of graphic artists. They got to give them. And well, maybe, you know, with internship programs, I think you have to show a certain amount of hours for your school. And maybe maybe it's the end of the month. Maybe uh, somebody in WWE was like, oh, shit, it's the end of January. We haven't done enough hours. We're going to lose this intern. Oh, that's cool. We're going to make it up on SmackDown this week. Don't worry about it. It was really stupid. So Yeah, I agree. Somebody found Windows Movie Maker and had a ball. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, if Road Dogg is part of production, go to Orlando. Uh, they apparently have these production classes. Take a couple of them. And uh, if it was somebody else, uh, just don't do it again. It was stupid. No one liked it. Don't do it yeah, again. Yeah, needless to say, um, whoever did that, they need to be locked down! <laughs> Thank you, Nigel. So, uh, <laughs> do you know who Ronda Rousey is, Nigel? Yep. Okay, so uh, I'm going to say this, Sean. And I know there's going to be people that listen to the show, and they're going to say, oh, it's easy for Jimmy to say that now that she's actually, now that the Rumble's taken place. Hindsight's twenty twenty, right? They're going to say it's easy for him to say that now. But I'm going to say it anyway. I was uh, almost convinced prior to the Rumble she was going to be there. And the reason that I was almost convinced she was going to be there is that on her Instagram, for the last few months uh, uh, on Instagram, she's posted once a month maybe once every two weeks, maybe once every two months. She's not an active Instagram person. And yet the weekend of the Royal Rumble, she posted three times in two days, all three times to make it very clear, I'm in Columbia. Yeah. I'm not in Philadelphia for the Royal Rumble because I'm filming a movie in Columbia. And I saw that and I thought to myself, so here's someone that's not active on social media. She rarely posts on Instagram, posted three times in two days. I was That convinced me she was going to be in the Rumble. The only thing that surprised me was that she wasn't in the Rumble. And when number 30 was coming up, I actually was saying to my wife, Trish Stratus hasn't been in yet, you know? Mm-hmm. And I thought well, maybe Trish isn't in, but she's like the, 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 the top of the legend list. But I thought maybe she's not going to be in. And then when Trish's music hit, I thought, oh, shit, maybe Ronda's not in. But why would they put the women's match last? That's the reason that you would put the women's match last. The way they ended up doing it, I actually thought it was pretty good. Except for... The whole pointing at the WrestleMania logo, that's got to oh stop. Oh my God, that was miserable. Yeah, it's got to stop. It's got to, it just needs to end. Rhonda, with all due respect to her, she's not the greatest actress. And, we, and we, we've seen other promos from her in the past in wrestling, like the one at the Mae Young Classic, where she's one second, she's smiling and talking to the interviewer. And then just like that, she does the Rhonda face, you know? Yeah. And it's just not smooth, and it's, it's, it just doesn't come off right. She did that. There, she's in the ring, and she's happy to be there, and then looks at the WrestleMania sign, gets the Ronda face, and I thought, oh, man, this girl's got some work to do, you know? But, Needs a uh, mouthpiece. They got a chill, yeah, did you see Meltzer's article? I didn't. So Meltzer wrote an article for MMA Fighting uh, suggesting that they have Paul Heyman be her mouthpiece. That's what he suggests. She should be. Yeah. But, um, I don't know, I, I uh, so, so let's talk about 
how this whole thing came together because I actually credit WWE for keeping it secret. As soon as she debuted, ESPN released a, a full story about it, uh, meaning that clearly they had access to her. Clearly they had interviewed her. Clearly they Ramona probably... Shelburne and uh, Ronda Rousey are buddies. Okay, well, they kept it a secret, which is really good. Uh, she apparently flew in from Columbia to Miami uh, commercial, and no one saw her or thought anything of it. Took a charter to uh, New Jersey, probably WWE's plane, I assume. Then she uh, took a, a car, hit it at the hotel. They didn't bring her to the arena until it was like five minutes before time, her, time for her to go out. I thought they did a great job of keeping it secret. And uh, now we're, we'll see what's going to happen. So um, ESPN, they claim that she is uh, on a full-time deal. Uh, Ronda herself said at the Rumble when she was interviewed after the show that she hasn't signed pen to paper yet. But uh, but they claim it's a full time deal, and uh, I guess the question is, what do they mean by full time deal? There's no chance. A little, little bit different, a little bit different than uh, what most wrestling fans think. She ain't wrestling, like I said. No, she won't be in Corbin, Kentucky, no. wrestling anytime soon. No, she's not going to Evansville or where do you live again? Ewing, Kentucky. Ewing, Ewing. She's not going to Ewing. Yeah, but uh, but uh, what do you think, Brock Lesnar deal? Right, like 14 matches a year, maybe. If that. Maybe if they get fourteen out of her, that'd be awesome. Yeah, yeah. I would, I would. What I would do is I would put her probably only on pay per view and only on big live events like one. If if you're having trouble drawing in California or put MSG, her out there, where, MSG or something. Yeah, MSG. Yeah, I would put her on MSG mm-hmm. and I would put her on twelve pay per views and I would have her a pay per view fixture. Right. That's what I would do. Right. That way, you know, if you want to watch Ronda Rousey wrestle, you got to order the WWE Network. Right. Well, to me, there's two questions about this whole thing, uh, and only time's going to tell how it plays out. And, and I'm curious what your what your take is. So, the first thing is, will she be be able to maintain her popularity as time goes on? I think that without question. So WrestleMania is scheduled to be her first match, and uh, apparently the plan is to do what they wanted to do last year, which is The Rock and Ronda Rousey against Triple H and Stephanie McMahon. Or maybe two years ago, um, and apparently Rock. Wa- apparently everybody wants to do it. The Rock wants to do it, and it's up to the insurance company to basically give him the green light because he got hurt when he did the John Cena match. So he needs the insurance company yeah. to give him the green light. If he can get the green light, they want to do that tag match. You know she's going to draw eyeballs to that because that's the first match, and there's going to be the curiosity factor. The question is, six months down the road, if she's now had three, four, five matches, are the people still going to be there with her? What do you think? Yeah, I, I think that it'll it definitely. I mean, it's already drawn eyeballs. I can tell you from like my my inbox that I got, like it was blown up when people found out that Ronda Rousey was had made the switch over to WWE. Sustainably, it's hard to say because I mean Brock Lesnar isn't as buzzworthy no. today yeah, as he not. was five years ago. Yeah. I will say, I mean, a couple of years after it, it was when it when John Cena versus Brock Lesnar happened at SummerSlam. That was some of the most buzz I've seen leading into a wrestling show for a long time. Maybe it's because of uh, where it was. It was in, like, Los Angeles, I think. And WWE marketed that perfectly where they were saying biggest fight of the summer, yada, yada. And that drew a lot of people. I mean, Rousey was actually there for that. Rousey and the Horsewomen were there for that. Uh, And it paid off well. They did something different. If they can do something different with Ronda Rousey, I'm cool with that. And... Doing something different might be her working like a Goldberg-Lesnar match where she wins immediately. Because, I mean, that's how you hide her weaknesses while she trains and while she learns. And you're going to have some people. And I thought Charlotte should have attacked this last night in her promo. She should have echoed the sentiments of a lot of the 
wrestling fans that Ronda Rousey took the spotlight away. Mm. Play off of that because there was no passion in Charlotte's promo. So you might as well at least get passion out of half of the fan base rather than none of the fan base. So go ahead and divide that line and let people... WWE loves it when people love and hate a person. Yeah. They love that shit. That's what they live for. And people already love or hate Ronda Rousey by and large. So if she comes in and she's breaking people's <laughs> arms and stuff like that, yeah. I mean, the woman has a ready-made finisher. Yeah. For the love of God, like... How many people have a finisher established? And she can apply with, it from almost anywhere. Yeah. Has a finisher established to people who don't even know wrestling. But they can walk in and say, armbar, that's Ronda Rousey. Yep. It's true. And, and you know, the other thing, too, if you never know if, say, a year from now, if Ronda Rousey were to get the itch to go back to MMA, like Brock did, if I'm WWE, I'm letting her do it, so long as they're smarter about the opponent. Because with, with Brock, they didn't know anything about Mark Hunt. So as so long as you're smart about the opponent because you don't want to risk her getting her ass kicked like she did with Amanda Nunes because it'll hurt her back in wrestling. But if it's the right opponent and if she wanted to do it, I think it's only going to help her rep just like it did with Brock. But uh, I'm curious what happens with her with her drawing power down the road a little bit. The other thing about I'm, this... I'm curious about what they do creatively with the women because you've got to make a lot of women strong right now. You've got to do it. You have to build nice creative storylines for a ton of these women that way ronda rousey has opponents because if they're not interesting you'll have the ronda rousey's wrestling a match buzz but then after that where does it go what happens like i mean right now they really only have give a shit about dean ambrose and brock lesnar yeah not a single person no right now they really only have nia Jax, oscar and charlotte really uh it's it's easy for them to kind of build a girl up in a couple of months sonya deville i mean that could be interesting you know? I'll say uh, I can't wait to see Alexa Bliss selling the arm bar with her limp arm deal that she does. Right. That'll be fun. Yeah, yeah. Now, the other question about this, <clears throat> I think that the timing of this is ideal, uh, if not deliberate, because WWE is looking to wrap up uh, their next rights fees contract, and they've said that between May and September they want to announce it, the next contract. Yep. Having Ronda Rousey is, I think, only going to maximize their, their opportunity because yeah. now, now you can tell any network, guess what? We've got a massive mainstream sports figure under exclusive contract, and it's only going to help them. And so I kind of question if, uh, if the timing was you know, kind of done intentionally to get her in now. I definitely think it will. And boy, if today's NFL announcement was any indication, WWE is going to be okay. Because a few years ago, they had... Uh, announced a Thursday night football deal. I think it got like $900 million over the life of the deal. Mm-hmm. Today, the NFL, with declining ratings, mind mm-hmm. you, announced that they're getting $660 million a year for uh, Thursday night games. Yeah, it's only for one that, game a week, one night a week. Whoo, boy. That is a lot of money. good news. I mean, it's, I mean, it's, WWE has switched from a live events business to a rights business, and a lot of sports are going to because... To my right, I mean, right in front of me, I have three screens. To my right, I have a 55-inch screen. If I can help it, I'm not going to drive 90 minutes to go see a football game. Uh, Now, I might drive 90 minutes to go watch WWE so I don't have to watch a bunch of jail cells slam on me when I get... Yeah! (laughs) Oh, shit. The roster is important. Uh, Just as this year when UFC... (laughs) 
negotiates their deal, having Conor McGregor on their roster and fighting will be an important situation uh, for them because even though he only fights on pay-per-view, as an entity, it's still important to have those marquee names. That's why TNA wanted Hulk Hogan so bad. Right, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that was Dixie being a mark to a degree, but yeah. Of course. Of course, so, that was the excuse. You already kind of mentioned this, but I want to go into it a little bit. So uh, it looks like at least short-term, Ronda Rousey's going to be walking into a snake pit with some of the other women. And I kind of question if some of them are just working, you know, trying to work their own angle. Uh, all the Nikki Bella, she's probably legit because she's kind of drama. But uh, so... Um, as you mentioned, Ronda Rousey's debut got all the media attention, completely overshadowed Asuka's win. It overshadowed the fact it was the first Women's Royal Rumble. And I think that was to be expected when you're talking about a name of, of her magnitude. Uh, several of the female talent on WWE, they posted on social media because that's what they do. And, uh, and here's a review of Nikki Bella said, wonder what all the 30 other women candid, candid thoughts were because WWE.com had a, a video about Ronda's candid thoughts about the Rumble. So she said that. Sasha Banks was on Busted Open Radio, and she said, I have nothing nice to say, so I won't say anything at all. Nia Jax said on Twitter, cool, she's here. I guess 30 women making history can just be forgotten. And Dana Brooke on Twitter said, I feel like she isn't the only one out there. Um, Now, again, do you think they're working? Do you think, uh, I mean, I'm sure there's some legitimate sour grapes, at least by some of them. I'm sure there are, but, you know, how how do the 28 other women feel about Nikki and Brie Bella, who haven't been around in forever, making it to the final three of the Royal Rumble? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not too hot, maybe not too hot about that. Uh, when you've got the iconic duo who have been ready to come up for months, not doing any, anything in NXT, not in this Rumble, ah, yeah. that sucks. But yeah. I mean, I think I, I, Nikki, Nikki and Bree are fine there, but here's the thing, uh, Jimmy. If they're not working, as I've said before, Ronda Rousey got mad at Paige Van Zant for congratulating Holly Holm for beating her. Right. But Ronda Rousey went and liked those tweets on Twitter, and she never likes anything on Twitter. So yeah, 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 yeah. I get the feeling they're working. Either that, or she's using it as a reminder for when she inevitably tears it their could elbow be. out. It could be. It, it could, could be. be. I mean, I look at it like this. I look at it like I'm glad to see that they have that competitive nature in them because one of the knocks on a lot of talent has been that they're content in their spot. So I'm glad that yeah. some, I'm glad some of these girls have that competitive nature in them. With all due respect to them. Uh, if there is no Ronda Rousey on the show, that match is not in the main event spot, and that's yeah. that's a fact. They would have probably. Put I it agree. First that, in the show. that men's Royal Rumble is one of the best in ring I have ever seen in my life. Right. And right. I was a little exhausted after that, honestly. Yeah, they were both good matches, and uh, and again, Ronda Rousey. I mean, she's the pioneer of women's MMA, and she's the reason women are fighting in the UFC today. So, she's a big reason why the women in WWE are afforded the opportunities they are right now. Because WWE was way past due for this anyway. This should have happened a long time ago. They've had Beth Phoenix, Natalya, Gail Kim, Victoria, Trish Stratus on their roster before. They had the cast. They didn't have to sign a bunch of models. This should have happened a long time ago. But Ronda Rousey's success Mm -hmm. did help push that – help push the WWE – into doing that. And they mentioned, they mentioned Ronda Rousey before on the air, too, when they were talking yeah. about the women's revolution. Of course. Right? So yeah. uh, I, I think it's going to be a good fit again. I'm curious what happens, say, six months or a year down the road. But uh, I, think it's a, I think she's a, a logical fit. Got to work on the acting chops a little bit. Uh, yeah. And, uh, and pointing at the WrestleMania sign, they, they just need to outlaw that now. Just stop it now. I wish. I wish. it's really, really dumb. It makes them all look stupid, you know. And, Nigel, I know you don't watch the shows, they have a massive WrestleMania sign, like, say, up here. 
and yeah. all the top talent that's going to be on the show. And how long do you think they show it, Sean? More than five seconds. Oh, forever. Some, sometimes like twenty seconds. They we, have they have the wrestler pointing at the at the WrestleMania sign, and then they have the shot, so you can see the wrestler here and the sign up there. And they hold that shot for like twenty seconds. Oh, do you remember we had a Fightful Mania graphic made for me last year just so I could point at it? Yeah, we need to get that back. We need to get yeah. it back, and and you can do it again like you did before. Oh, yeah. hell yeah. It's so cool. Uh, just another production snafu. But I spoke to Neil Pruitt, who wrestling fans will remember as the voice of the NWO. Uh, he did a lot of those, but he would also produce them. And I spoke to him about his uh, production experience in WCW. Later, you'll hear him talk about some of his production issues with WWE. He also worked for Deep South, but he's got a podcast, Secrets of WCW Nitro, where <laughs> Actually, recently, he revealed that Stone Cold Steve Austin was very uncomfortable on the mic in WCW. Uh, definitely worth a listen. And uh, take a listen to Neil and me speaking about his experience. What are some of the differences that, uh, like between live and taped in particular that people may not necessarily know about? I, I remember I listened to a show recently where you talked about a power supply difference and how you would definitely want that live uh, for live as opposed to relying on a, a local one. Like, what other things go into going live as opposed to tape that maybe people don't know about? Well, a pretty important difference is whenever you do pre-tapes backstage, it's all done. Um, any pre-tape would be something that obviously you'd want to air eventually, but that you would record in advance or act as if it went in this spot right here live, then that was an important part of taping. So anytime you've got a chance to do something where it's rehearsed, it's two or three takes, whatever, that really helps your production, obviously makes it so much better. And then you can just insert it in the slot that it goes between the live production. That's really crucial. Like, for instance, when I used to produce the flavor for the gold segments, Rick Flair, I loved him. He was a great talent, obviously. There was never another <laughs> Flair. But the unfortunate part was Arn Anderson and Phoebe the Maid and whoever was on the show or on the segment, they would look identical from take one to take two. Well, unfortunately, Flair never did. He would have his hair slipped back when he was going to do the rehearsal and then he was actually live in front of the crowd is there to be all poofed up, you know, like he wanted it to be. It made it difficult sometimes for us editing the pieces together because you know, there were some bits that were really good during the rehearsal that we just could never use all. And anytime you're trying to make any kind of film or any kind of segment like that, like a, essentially a soap opera or whatever you want to call it, it's going to be best to have as many takes as possible. So we were able to, in fact, take some of the, say, Arn Anderson cutaways or some of the close-ups of the other wrestlers and use those when somebody might have bobbled a little bit or whatever. But it just gives you more options and makes the production, I think, look a lot simpler, a lot better. You'd also mentioned, or, or your host mentioned, rather, like you all have format sheets that you all make available and people can see. And some of them are printed at like 30 minutes before, the, or less than 30 minutes before the show went on the air. When did you typically get these format sheets for WCW Nitro? Sean, the issue became sometimes where once you get into a segment or two, you'd get a new format. Oh, wow. So they were making up stuff on the spot so often. It was very tough. And thank God that the production staff was so good at what they did and being able to change on a dime. 
I mean, there's a lot of people out there that work in television, and they get their, you know, set ways, and they get their tunnel vision on, which is great when you're doing a production that doesn't change. But you have to be fluid with the show at WCW because you never knew it was coming around a pike. But all the people that worked on the production period, they were used to that and good at that. And hopefully you didn't see too many wobbles, you know, along the way. But they were they were accustomed to just running with it. And that, that was part of the fun for me. <laughs> I actually enjoyed it like that. And we're back. Former WCW producer Neil Pruitt. I liked how a lot of WCW is produced. Later on, we talk about the WWE shaky cam. Fun oh, yeah. fact, I did that interview. Uh, I conducted it live from Bobunk Fuckhole, Kentucky. There you go. There you go. Good for you, man. Inside joke. Inside joke. In this office. In the, yeah. So, um, you Bobunk know, Sean, goes here. I, am, I am man enough to admit when I was wrong. Yeah. And I was wrong about the XFL, bud. Yeah, you shouldn't have been. I shouldn't have been. Yeah, I know. We're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about it. Uh, Let's talk about it right now. So last Thursday, January 25th, Vince McMahon and... Okay, fuck it. I have so many thoughts at once. I'm going to try my best to get them all out. So Vince McMahon (laughs) did a press conference to announce the return of the XFL in the spring of 2020. Uh, There's going to be eight teams, 40-man rosters, 10-game season, four-team semifinals, and, and one championship game. They're toning it down this time around. There's going to be no cheerleaders, whereas remember the last time they encouraged the cheerleaders to sleep with the players, basically. This time, no cheerleaders. The man says that they're not going to hire players with arrest records. All players must stand for the what? national anthem. Uh, all, there's going to be no franchises, so Alpha Entertainment's going to own everything. And uh, Vince indicated that he'll have someone else run the show and that we might not see him again involved with the XFL after that press conference. Um, no broadcast partner yet. Nothing was said about player salaries. So when the word first broke that, hey, Vincent Mann is doing this new entity and he's going to invest in his own money and XFL is floating around and everything, I was convinced that he had learned his lesson the last time. And I was convinced it was going to be either investing in, uh, in an NFL team like the Carolina Panthers because they're for sale. I thought maybe he was going to be part of an investment group for that. Maybe he was going to invest in something with arena football. I did not think he was going to undertake... Near- Carolina near his old stomping grounds, too. right? That too. Yeah, he's born I mean, in it North made Carolina, too much right? Sense. Yeah, it huh? made too much sense. Yeah, I uh, I did not think he was going to undertake an endeavor like this, and I think that his judgment is clouded by his desire to right that wrong because the XFL the first time is still his greatest failure professionally and financially, and I think that he really wants to right that wrong. I still think, like we talked about before, when we, when we talked about this XFL thing, I think that he doesn't want his legacy to be that of a pro wrestling promoter. I think he wants to be remembered as a sports tycoon or an entertainment tycoon. And uh, I don't see how this is going to work. Like, I don't see how this is going to succeed. I do think that they're going to get a rights fee deal because there's so many avenues they can go down, whether it be network television, cable television, online streaming. So they're going to get a rights fee deal. My question is, can they get a rights fee deal rich enough to cover the cost of, of this league? I don't know, man. I think yeah, it's we're in be... a different place than we were 16, 17 years ago in that regard. But if nobody watches the games, it won't matter and they won't last past a year again. That's, right, right. That's exactly it. And, um, you know, I was thinking about, so there's going to be eight teams. And I was thinking about, okay, if they're smart, and because Vince is Vince, he's probably going to be like, well, we got to do L.A., we got to do New York, we got to do Chicago, because those are the big TV markets. Mm-hmm. But if they're smart, they go after the markets that lost NFL football. 
So they yeah. go they go after St. Louis, they go after San Diego, they go go after Oakland. Uh, I heard San Antonio was in the running for a team a while back. They go after San Antonio. If they're smart, those are the Bobon markets Fuck that they... Bobon Fuckhole? I don't know. You always say that about San Antonio. You always say that. What the, the OG. Like, I guess I guess Ewing would have to be new Bobon Fuckhole because San Antonio is the OG Bobon Fuckhole. You've said that. You've said that. Boy, wait, 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 way to limit his audience to a degree on that one. Yeah. But, Our uh, social media managers from there. I know. Right? I know. You said that. You said that. Yeah. But uh, I just don't I don't know how this thing is going to work. I don't know how they're going to be able to grow an audience when it's going to be second tier football because that's what it's going to be. They're going to be essentially competing with the CFL for players. It so, might be third or fourth tier. Might be third tier. or fourth tier. It might be. Because I mean college football might have better athletes if if this is people that are past their prime. Yep. Like I, I said before like you might you're you're probably going to find people that are in between jobs or are not yet in their prime or just past their prime, and at that point, you don't know the the skills are gonna how that'll mesh together. Who kn- for all we know, maybe it could replace the arena football league. He may be like, you know, we're gonna run arenas or something like that. We don't know a damn thing no, yet. He hasn't said anything. Uh, Not no. a thing. Uh, I thought this was like a pet retirement project. Like he was like, well, time to hang it up. I'll give myself two years to wrap up my affairs and do this. But then he's like. Nope, my role in WWE will not change, and I thought, boo! <laughs> Isn't that uh, uh, Night of the Roxbury when uh, the guy was trying to use uh, liners on the girl to get laid? Do you remember that? And he said, do you hear that? That's the ambulance because you've broken my heart or stolen my heart. Or... <laughs> you know what I also question? I question if his age plays a part in this because I question if, again, his judgment's clouded a little bit because of that failure and because he's 72 and maybe he's yeah. not making, you know. But I want to ask you this question, Sean, because you know that a lot of, uh, you know, backroom, boardroom deals happen, right? And you know that a lot of things are done behind the scenes and you don't really hear about it. I'm going to play devil's advocate for a minute. Let's say that uh, a network, whether it be USA, Fox, whoever, goes to Vince McMahon and says, uh, we'll give you $250 million on a rights fees deal for WWE. Right now, uh-huh. now if I remember right, are they making around 150 million right now? I think. So let's say that a network said we'll give you 250 million dollars. Do you think there's any possibility that Vince McMahon would quietly, in some backroom boardroom deal somewhere, say, "How about I'll take that deal, but we're going to put 200 million on the WWE deal. We're going to take that other 50 million, put that on an XFL deal, because." In theory, it's a win-win for everybody. On the WWE side, you've got an increase in your rights fees. On the XFL side, they now have guaranteed money to help run the run the run the uh, league, and the network essentially would get bang for their buck two two for one. Even if the XFL doesn't do big ratings, it's still live content that they would have essentially gotten for free in that in that scenario. Do you think there's any possibility that kind of shenanigans might play out? Yes, because if the league is completely owned by Alpha Entertainment, then I completely think that that would be the case because there are no team owners to really have a say. There are, I mean... And what happened at the press conference? So after saying that this is going to be completely separate from WWE and this is my own money and this is Alpha Entertainment, WWE personnel did the production of that press conference. And they had all their talent tweet about it. Right. And there was pictures of Triple H watching it, like from, yeah. from, from, uh, from the green room or something. So there's clearly still a bit of a tie-in, 
And uh, and again, if if they now they got Ronda Rousey too, if they're able to get a big enough number on a rights fees deal, and a Vince McMahon can still show his shareholders, look, I got you an increase. You never know if he's going to pull back some of that money, shift it to the XFL quietly, and say, look what I got. Now the XFL is a viable entity. That could very well happen, I think. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, I oh man, this is nasty and messy and just I I couldn't believe that he did it. And somebody said. You were wrong about XFL. I didn't think he would make the same nine-figure mistake yeah. twice. No, I didn't either. And the hilarious thing is, the day after the announcement, there was an NBC interview with Stephanie McMahon that closed with the quote, As my father always tells me, it's okay to make a mistake, but don't make the same mistake twice. Right. <laughs> right. And I was like, but yesterday, <laughs> the coming back. Yeah. Exactly. Is the WBF next? Exactly. I think Ico Pro has a good run left in it. Ico Pro. I mean, I think by now WWE Films probably makes money or something because I don't know how the hell they the would TV. have it. Right? The TV, yeah. Yeah, because they've sold a lot. Like I see the Condemned on like every week on USA Network, yeah, yeah, and yeah. that Halle Berry movie did great for them. Yeah. So yeah, they cut down on the budgets big time, so I think they're doing better. Uh, yeah. Okay, let's talk about the Rumble. We already kind of touched upon it, but let's talk about the Royal Rumble. So. Um, I enjoyed the men's match and the women's match. I did too. I, I enjoyed both of them, but I enjoyed them for very different reasons. And I question in future years how they're going to handle the women's match. So yeah. with the men's match, um, I thought it had a little bit of everything. Like there were – last year, I think they learned from their mistake. Last year, there were no surprises except Ty Dillinger. And everybody was shitting on the company. How can you not – that's part of the rumble. How do you not have surprises, Right. This year they had uh, Almas, Adam Cole, Rey Mysterio, and the Hurricane. Uh, and Rey looks freaking phenomenal. Looked as good as he did in his WWE days. He looked days. phenomenal. Threw and the tights back on, no knee braces. Yeah. That was so great. He looked great. And uh, and but I also liked how they had so there was there was comedic elements with uh, Heath Slater, which I thought was pretty funny. Even Rusev stuff. Uh, the hurricane yeah. stuff. They had uh, they elevated certain guys in this rumble. Elias was elevated in this match. Finn Balor got a big rub on this match. And thought right, almost looked good too. Almost looked good too. And the right guy won. Shinsuke Nakamura won the match, which which was the right call. So that's good. Uh, they also did the whole old school versus new school thing, where they had Cena. Uh, Randy Orton and Rey Mysterio on one side. They, they read the room perfectly. Whoever laid that out, right, right, perfectly. Yep. So I, I really enjoyed it a lot. Uh, the women's match, I thought in execution, it was pretty sloppy. And the one thing that I couldn't help but notice over and over and over again is that the over-the-top rope elimination concept was really challenging for the women. Because did you notice they were very clearly using the bottom rope to springboard? And it happened over and over and yeah. over. And it's because a lot of these girls are 5'2", five, 5'4". Five, How the hell yeah. else are you going to get over the top rope? So right? I, I was thinking about that. I was actually talking to that, talking to Nikita Krylov fan, who you all can see on the 1995 Royal Rumble alternate commentary podcast. And I was like, what I would do in that regard is I would have some sort of thing that could raise and lower the ropes without cutting slack. Like a thing that would basically elevate or lower the ropes about maybe three inches to the point to where nobody would notice that you mean, much. You mean the posts? Essentially. The maybe posts. you could lower the posts a little bit and make the top rope just a little bit shorter. Just have a ring crew come out there and reinforce it, yada, yada. But mm. make it a little easier for these girls because, you know, like I've said on in my reviews, I'm not for conditional equality. I want equality across the board, but... I don't think making it easier for them 
is a slight on them. No, it was very I difficult. I mean, it's just a genetic fact. The yeah. men are bigger yep. and taller yep. than the women. Make it a little easier on them. That way they can do some of these spectacular things. Yep. And you don't have Kelly Kelly looking like a deer that got caught in a barbed wire fence. Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, SI, and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. That's what she looked like. She was hung up there. And Ruby Riot, you know, got screwed up on the top rope, too, and... And a bunch of the girls were very clearly putting their foot on the bottom and springboarding over. Nia Jax, I was watching with my wife, and when everybody ganged up on Nia Jax, my wife was like, Nia's doing it herself. That was a horrifying one. When she got vertical as they're about to tip her over, I was like, oh, no. Then she bent over, and it was all okay. Right. right. I I loved uh, the Bella Twins elimination of Sasha Banks. I thought that was really clever. Yes, that was a great spot. That was an awesome one. I agree. Molly Holly. uh, Molly Holly did the flip off the top rope. Yeah, she almost killed Sasha's knees, but I was just happy to see the it. The fact and she also, did it. Yeah. And also, I love the Trish Stratus elimination. Remind uh, me again of that one. Remind me. The Bulldog, the Stratus faction, the spring, basically the where she runs up the ropes, yeah. and Sasha just grabbed her or and pushed her, her off. Over. Okay. That was really great. Like, right. And Trish looked freaking amazing. See, I, I want Molly Holly, Trish Stratus, and Beth Phoenix on the roster. I agree. I agree. All three of them looked awesome. And uh, Trish looked like she hadn't skipped a, a missed a beat. She looked like she could go tomorrow full-time if she wanted to. They all, and Molly looked like she's dropped 20 pounds since yeah. she was since she was an, an active she, member of the roster. She's people at Davari and Anderson School now. Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't yeah, know that. That's a hell of a person to have training you, too. You know, I'll tell you, I'll tell you a Molly Holly story. Mm-hmm. Because you know that she's got the reputation. She's like a sweetheart of a woman. And I've, a lot of people have always said that she was too good for the business because she was kind of like the virginal conservative one, right? Yeah. Years ago when I ran my old wrestling site and she was she had just finished up with WWE and she was living kind of like in the woods in Minnesota or something. Yeah. And I got the days mixed up for our interview. And so let's say it was supposed to be on a Wednesday and I thought it was supposed to, I thought it was on a Thursday kind of thing. The day it was supposed to be, she sat by her phone for two hours, Right. And, wow. I, and I, I got the days mixed up, so I didn't call her. And then she emailed me that night saying, you know, just kind of wondering what happened. And I was like, oh, shit. And, and I, I, like, grossly apologized and everything. And then I called her early the next day to talk to her before we did the interview. She was, yeah. you know how many talents Sean would have shit all over me for that? Yeah. And she was the sweetest woman. And she, she said, you know what? She said, I understand. It's all right. You know, she's like, uh, it's pretty quiet out here anyway. I wasn't doing much else. And she Not was... only that, like a lot of wrestlers that I interview, they have no concept of time. Like, right? I've had to move around plans. Like, I tried to do my interviews in the weekdays because I'm in my office a lot more throughout then. And Saturdays, I'm usually getting ready for UFC. And there will be wrestlers who were like, "Oh, well, can you do two, three p.m. on a Saturday or a Sunday?" And I'll move things around to accommodate. And I don't hear from from right, them. Right. The fact that she was willing to do that is yep. Pretty impressive. So I, I think the role of her, she was she was a, a, a really nice uh, lady. That was the only time I really interacted with her, but she was really awesome to deal with. I One am other... salty that WWE didn't film a Hurricane and Mighty Molly segment backstage. That would have been great. How, did, yeah. how didn't they do that? You're right. That would have been great. One other thing about the Rumble I want to talk about, I couldn't help but love the Brock Braun spot. 
uh, and it's gotten a lot of attention on the internet. And I want to I want to explain this one to Nigel. So <laughs> I think you know that Brock Lesnar's got an MMA background. Yeah, and he's he's a legitimate badass if he wants to be. <laughs> uh, Braun Strowman is still relatively new. Especially on top, he's still a relatively new performer. Okay. Sometimes these guys, when they get put into a big spot like that, I mean, the Royal Rumble's a major show, and he was in the main event spot theoretically. Sometimes they get a little too excited, and sometimes <laughs> and sometimes they get a little overzealous in the ring, and they get sloppy and they rush too much, and the, just the adrenaline gets pumping, and sometimes they do stuff like that. Right. Braun Strowman in the moment, because you know he was excited, Sean. So oh, yeah. So in the moment, he need Brock in the head for real, like he need him <laughs> hard in the head, like like that. And Braun, you can see Brock's face. Brock, it was a hard shot. And Brock, you know, recovered quickly, and he grabbed a hold of Braun, and he punched him as hard as he could on the side of the head, just as hard as he could. And did you see Braun stumble from that shot? Like, that was a real shot. And Braun stumbled and went to his knees, and uh, Brock leaned into him, and he goes, he yelled out pretty loud. He said, slow the fuck down. Yes. And you could see it on TV at the time that the knee happened and at the time that the punch happened. I saw it live. I didn't catch him say, slow the fuck down. It wasn't until yeah. later on video. But I saw the knee and I saw the punch in real time. And thought, oh man, like that was, that was a shoot. Jeez. So that was, uh, that was very interesting. Something tells me Braun's not going to make that mistake again. No, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. And normally I would condemn Brock for doing that. But hey, it was a receipt. And uh, There's nothing yeah, wrong got, with it. Nothing wrong with it. He got his return. Yep, there was nothing wrong with it. And uh, the other thing about the Rumble... And this is a little side note, but it, I noticed it. What the hell was with Seth Rollins' ring gear and Kane's ring gear? Those guys both went to Bam Bam Bigelow's tailor, clearly. And in the case of Seth Rollins in particular, it doesn't fit him. I understand his music now says burn it down and all that shit. It doesn't fit him at all. His ring gear should have been Kane's ring gear. Well, to be honest with you, do you remember? I no, think it was, Kane's ring gear should have been what Rollins was wearing, rather. What Rollins was wearing. Yes, I agree. Yeah. Because do you remember Rollins? I think it was uh, might have been the Mania when he cashed in the, the money in the bank. And he wore all white. Remember? Yeah. And he used to wear gloves, too. That yeah. was a good look for Seth Rollins. Or when he wore all black with black gloves. That was a good look. Wearing Bam Bam Bigelow flames on your tights, it just doesn't fit him, man. If I I'm a wrestler, like, I move away from the all black. Because so many people do it. Yeah, but his gear was a little different. He used to wear a vest too. And, yeah, and but I was, mean, he would, he wouldn't wrestle in it though. No, he would take it off. But it was—I thought it was a good look for him. And I feel like the gear he has now makes him look like less of a of a top level performer. What gear would you wear, Jimmy? <laughs> uh, so <laughs> I will say this: I love, it was it was stumped, Jimmy. Right? No, there. no, no, no. I'm quick on my feet. So I'm a big believer. As Paul Heyman always says, accentuate the strengths, hide the weaknesses, right? That's what Paul Heyman says. And that's why whenever I see big casts on television wearing trunks, I think to myself, man, you need new gear, bud, because you've got, it, you've got a pot belly with all due respect, and the gear you're wearing, it does, it's not flattering, right? And if I was big cast, I would go with the old Kevin Nash look because yeah. the singlet hides the, the belly, well, right? I would kind of already has it. Who? A little bit. Gallows. Yeah, he does. He does. I mean, they could change it up, but I'd still put a singlet on Cass. I would also be a singlet guy because I, 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 I don't exactly have abs, Sean, so I'd be a singlet guy. Singlet, if I did, like, we would do, like, the MMA gimmick. I would wear, like, rash guard, MMA shorts, kick right. pads, right. all that stuff. It really – things have changed, man, and it's funny because on the lower levels of the indies where, like, I was doing stuff, it's so funny, the egos on some of those guys because they would look at some people and be like – you you don't have real gear and i'm like 
watch SmackDown or Raw and tell me how many of those guys wear real gear. The Usos go to Foot Locker the afternoon of the show. Yeah. And that's basically what they wear in the ring when they're cutting their shitty-ass promos that suck. that's because their gear is... Lockdown! Uh, I wasn't ready for Nigel it. Nigel wasn't ready, man. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Wasn't ready for it. It wasn't ready for it. Let's go to Stupid People because Sean was one. Let's go. See, I was setting up that cue. Yeah. This is a stupid song. It just goes on and on. You might find some meaning, but you would be wrong. Okay. Uh, TrevorStrong.org. Thanks for the use of the stupid song. Uh, oh, I got some good whoa, ones. Whoa, 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 He wrote that? Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> I just found that out. I just found it out. Uh, Sean, let me ask you a question, bud. Okay. Are you familiar with and are you a fan of Nutella? <laughs> Nutella, yeah. It's, Nutella? It's called Nutella, yeah. yeah whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, maybe, I, maybe, I, maybe in you in Kentucky they call it Nutella. <laughs> the rest of the world calls it Nutella. Never, you know, never used it. It's made of hazelnuts, Sean, not hazelnuts, all right? <laughs> Thank you for you. Nigel, are you a fan of Nutella, bud? I can't eat it. I'm allergic. Oh, you are? Yeah. Done all nuts or just hazelnuts? Tree nuts. I can eat peanuts, but uh, really? yeah. Is it a death, deathly allergy? No, it's not too bad, but it's not pretty either. Got it. Got it. Okay. So I'm going to tell you a story uh, because my story has to do with France, and this story has to do with France. So <laughs> my, my wife and I went to Paris several years ago, and to this day, the best Nutella crepe that we've ever, ha- ever had in our life was at a little cafe in Paris. It was like a little, small French cafe. They practically put a whole jar of Nutella in one crate. Uh, by the way, I just Googled it. It's pronounced Nutella. No, it is not. No, yes, it is it not. Is. It is absolutely yes. not. What are they, how's it pronounced, Nigel? I'm not even going to Yeah, you know it's here. Nutella. I'm not even going to wait. Go, go yeah. ahead I probably, No. Foodnetwork.com no. says Nutella. No, it's Nutella. It's Nutella. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> He looks like Animal from the Muppets. Doesn't he? With that mop going on up there? Look at him. Animal from the Muppets. So this was reported by National Public Radio, which is NPR.org on January 26th. A grocery store chain in France, and again, this one didn't surprise me because of my own story when I was in Paris. A grocery store chain in France called Intermarché promoted a sale on jars of Nutella and they slashed the price by 70% from 4.5 euros, which is about $5.60 US, to 1.41 euros, which is about $1.75 US. The end result was chaos. In the local, in, in the French press, they called them Nutella riots. Videos went viral showing people shoving and climbing over each no. other to get to the jars. Le Prisienne, which is a, a publication in France, said that there were at least three reported cases of fistfights. And another French publication called France Info reported that at one particular Intermarché store, at 8.15 in the morning, there was a line of 200 people. At least when we knock each other out at stores in America, it's over like a flat screen TV. Exactly. Or, or a toaster or something. Exactly. And what is your time worth? Because we've talked about how time is worth yeah, something. Yeah, man. 8.15 in the morning, you're lined up to save $2 or maybe maybe $4 or $3 on a, on a jar of Nutella. And this, is, this was the best part. This was a quote from uh, an employee at one of the stores, and the AFP, which is the, uh, the French Associated Press News Agency, they picked up this quote. So this is an employee at one of the stores. He said, people just rushed in, shoving everyone, breaking things. It was like an orgy. <laughs> that was his quote. What That's of, what he said. What kind of orgies is that guy going to? I don't know. That's one, what he said. One over a lot of nuts. Ah. Uh, 
Yeah. All right. Let's just move on. So this next one, this was reported by WRAL-TV out of Raleigh, North Carolina on, Jan- on uh, January 28th. Remember when we talked about the Tide Pod Challenge? Yep. Yeah. Uh, were you there that week? Because you were away the one week. I, don't know. I remember the story. Yeah. We had a couple articles. On yes, it, on Trig Tent. Or at least one. And not only with the Tide Pod Challenge was it little children that they were worried about eating them, but there was teenagers and young adults that turned it into a game, right? So there's a new one uh, called the No Lacking Challenge. Oh, no. And with this viral game, people film themselves pulling a gun on someone without pulling the trigger. Can you fucking believe people, man? And again, this is happening among teenagers and young adults. They're filming themselves pulling a gun on someone without pulling the trigger in order to get the reaction. And then they're, pu- they're putting it on uh, social media and, and some of them are going viral. Uh, 21-year-old Sherman Lackland out of Memphis, Tennessee decided to play the No Lacking Challenge game and accidentally pulled the trigger. Of course. And he shot a 17-year-old in the head, his 17-year-old friend in the head and killed him. And so Lackland was charged with aggravated assault, reckless endangerment, and unlawful possession of a weapon. What can you say? Smarten the fuck up. You know? What can you say about that, man? Isn't that amazing? What's going on today with people and and these social media challenges? I mean, that's definitely stupid people. That's just sad, though. It's crazy. It's crazy. Like, that kid, it particularly bothers me when it's, like, a teenager or a kid or something. Man, that kid will never get to have... Neither one of them will ever get to have any semblance of a life. That's exactly right. That's and there, and, and there, there's a lot to see in this world. There's a lot to do in this world. And they're not going to get that opportunity. This last one, Sean. This one, I'm going to go ahead and put this under the Sean Ross app file. This one. Yes. It's a little bit different, but I'm going to put it under the Sean Ross app file. This was reported by Allure.com. There is a new beauty product. Uh, and it was created by a company called The Perfect V. Oh boy! <laughs> <laughs> and this going. this beauty product is designed to create shine and shimmer, and to quote add luminous iridescent color to the vaginal area. <laughs> Knew it. It's called Blink, Blink. it's called a vagina highlighter. It contains vitamin E and elderflower. They claim that it brightens and minimizes skin imperfections and provides instant radiance. Whoa, 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 whoa. Flower? Elder uh, flower. Yeast infections, ladies. Here's the best part. And this is, there's actually a wrestling tie-in with this, man. So I went wow. on the Perfect V website, and in big letters they had one of their little, uh, the, the little slogans, right? So you know how WWE... Molly been, Holly uses it. Uh, it's a slogan. It's not a clink. It's different. <laughs> Now, you know in WWE, they had the Women's Revolution, right? Yeah. Uh, their slogan is about this uh, Perfect V vaginal highlighter, a new revolution in women's beauty. Oh, God. Like, uh... I These said things it before, exist, I'll man. i again. That's, Leave uh... the labias and flabias and flip-flaps alone. Let them be. You know, they actually used the word vulva in the, the article, the Allure vulva. article. And I chose not to use it because I kept thinking about Seinfeld. You know? Vulva? Yeah. So I left that one alone. Now let's go to the, this week we have a fourth Stupid People story. This must be good. It's a pro wrestling related one. Uh, and you, I know you're going to know it as soon as I start talking about it. Um, there's a gentleman by the name of Josh Friedman. He already knows. 
He already knows. <laughs> and I'm curious what Nigel's going to think of this one. So Josh Freeman produces a show on Sirius XM Radio called MMA Tonight. And it's hosted by a guy, by a guy named R.J. Clifford. Yesterday, which would have been January 30th, the radio show booked Dave Meltzer, of course from Wrestling Observer, because they wanted uh, him to come on and talk about Ronda Rousey. Uh, I listened to the interview. R.J. Clifford interviewed Dave Meltzer for about six minutes, asked him about Ronda Rousey coming to WWE and all of that. And it was very clear for me as a listener that that was not Dave Meltzer. Oh, it was. Oh, well, I'm going to get to that. I'm going to get to that. So they do the six-minute interview. R.J. Clifford clearly knows it's not Dave Meltzer from the Wrestling Observer, but he does the interview. Dave Meltzer answers questions about Ronda Rousey. They wrap it up. And then R.J. Clifford immediately asks his producer, Josh, to step into the microphone. And he immediately tells uh, Josh, that was not Dave Meltzer. (laughs) Who the hell was that? And it turned out that a PR firm had contacted Josh, the producer, and asked if they'd be interested in doing an interview with a gentleman named David Meltzer, who is a sports executive, who has done uh, sports analysis on CNBC's Fast Money and on ESPN Radio. And the PR firm wanted him on to talk about the Super Bowl. Uh, Josh, when he heard David Meltzer, thought it was Dave Meltzer from Wrestling Observer, and thought, okay, well, this time it works out, because Ronda Rousey, you know, this works out. So that's what happened. Can you imagine David Meltzer? I would have loved to have talked to David Meltzer when it was done, because he must have been sitting there thinking, why the fuck did they ask me about Ronda Rousey for six minutes? (laughs) Like, I thought we were going to be talking about the Super Bowl. And that's what happened, man. Yeah. 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 That was pretty that's awesome. The, that's what happens when you don't follow up. That's right. And you don't do your homework. But uh, I thought the segment was very funny to listen to. Yeah, it was uh, great. They busted, they busted his balls afterwards. And all they was... did is ask this David Meltzer guy question after question after question about Ronda Rousey and the UFC. And, and he answered them. Now hey, he, and he gave short answers because he doesn't have a lot of insight. <laughs> but he... <laughs> And the show got way more attention than it would have if the real Dave Meltzer would have been on. It's true, because he does a lot of media, and a lot of it doesn't get attention, so it's true. Uh, Okay, let's move on and talk about the Elimination Chamber. It's the Raw Brandon Show. It's taking place February 25th in the T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas. I was there for the uh, Golden Knights hockey game. Nice building. And uh, they announced on Raw this week that there's going to be both a men's match and a women's chamber match. Alexa Bliss is going to be part of her match, and she's going to defend the title in it. For the men's match, uh, the winner is going to face Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania, meaning Roman Reigns is probably going to win unless somebody smartens up and has Braun win. But it's probably going to be Roman Reigns. Um, and then they had uh, qualifying matches on Raw this week, and Braun Strowman won one of them, Elias won one of them. And I was kind of surprised that John Cena beat Finn Balor and got a spot. Yeah. I actually thought Finn Balor was going to go win based on the Rumble performance. I did too. And they had Cena beat him clean and uh, and went in, so... I still think Roman's going to win it, but uh, that's the plan. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, And nobody wants and... to see it, Sean. Nobody wants to see it. And I, I feel sorry for Brock and Roman because that match is going to get shit on. Mm-hmm. When Roman wins, he's going to get shit on. And if WWE has learned anything, they're not going to put it last. If they've learned anything. Because it's going to get shit on. What goes last, Nakamura, AJ? Which... He won the damn Royal Rumble. It should. I think if Taker decides to, to do a match, it should be Taker. Yeah, that, that too. So. Um, and, I don't and, think and, put... and there's no winning there either because the, the rumor is Taker-Cena. Uh, Cena will get shit on. 
So there's really no unless that's, unless Taker wins. That's, that's why I close with Nakamura AJ, even though it's a totally I don't know. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Vince used to do that. He used to always do that. Like like Rock and Hogan didn't go on last, and it should have. Yeah. Triple H Jericho did. It's because Triple H. That's why. Yeah. If, that's, if, that's if, if it had been Jericho versus anybody else, they would have done Hogan Rock last. Also true. With Brock Lesnar, you've seen his strengths, and his strengths, along with Braun Strowman, are tearing shit up. I loved the match with Goldberg last year. I it did, too. Great. I agree. It was great. It was short. It was what it needed to be. I agree. I liked it. Man, throw Reigns and Lashley and Braun in there and just let him tear some shit up for eight minutes and then send him home. What do you think of Braun? Because I saw your little tweet. What do you think of Braun doing a little selfie promo with Alexa Bliss promoting the uh, MMC match? Uh... When they and they had the graphics up there too. Yeah, like like the thing is, what, like, what are you doing? What are you doing? My phone opened up a podcast. Opened up this podcast while I was on this podcast. Okay, meta. So here's what I mentioned. I mentioned the uh, Braun Strowman how on Raw he was like, "No, I won't listen to you when you ask me not to murder anybody." Yeah. But hey, I'll go film this mixed match challenge promo for you, which didn't fit him at all. It, it was it odd, was stupid. but I mean, yeah. it's entertaining. Yeah. I enjoy it. Yeah. Like I love, I love him teaching Alexa Bliss how to toss a vehicle over. Mm. That's funny, mm. but well, whatever. Let's move on. And uh, I want to. I got a lot. I want to get to still. So I'm going to try to blow some through some of these. So two hundred five live last night, January thirtieth. They introduced Rockstar Spud as the new GM uh, under the name Drake Maverick. Boy, did the live crowd shit on that, Sean. Uh, there was Did even they? there was even a spud chant, a little one, a little oh, yeah. one, and the commentators actually acknowledged that he, he was previously known as Rockstar Spud. They shit on that. I really think that the live crowd, number one, they were probably burned out from four days of wrestling, but number two, I think they were expecting a name from the past, don't you? Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. I think so too. And I think he'll do fine. I'm sure he will. I, I'm sure he's he he's going to do great. Yep. I do like the, the tournament idea. Yeah, it kind of feels like it's been done to death now. I mean, I realize that their hands were tied on this one. Well, they used to hate tournaments. Now it's their thing every year. And they, they just did the U.S. title one, although it was yeah, only— Yeah, since in the WWE Network era in 2014, they had—I think it was 2014. But uh, the King of the Ring, then the next year it's the Dusty Rhodes Classic, then the next year it's the Cruiserweight Classic, then the next year it's the Mae Young Classic. This year they're doing the Mixed Match Challenge, and they're doing another, yep. essentially another Cruiserweight Classic. And they did the U.S. title tournament. That's true. So too. it's 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 a little too much. Uh, it's going to be 16 men. They say the finals will be at WrestleMania. I'm wondering if Rich Swan is going to be in it because uh, domestic violence charges against him were dismissed last week. Yes, they were. So I wonder if he's going to come back for that. So we'll see. We'll see. I want to uh, mention Ric Flair quickly. Okay. I have a, I have a source pretty close to Ric Flair, and uh, they told me that they ran into him about a week ago. Uh, and there's stuff that I didn't know that they told me. So um, you and I have talked about how since he had his health scare, he's kind of visually aged a little bit. Yeah. But what I, what I didn't know was that before he had his health scare, he was apparently uh, dealing with um, swollen ankles. Apparently, didn't know I, that either. Apparently his ankles would swell up to the point that he could barely walk, and apparently it was an ongoing issue for him. Uh, and since he got better, since his health scare, apparently he's feeling better physically. And I was told that he isn't dealing with that problem as much as he was before because maybe there was it was alcohol related somehow. Uh, and apparently he has uh, still legitimately off, legitimately off alcohol, and he's got a taste for Pepsi now. I hear. Hey, so, good. Yep. So good for Ric Flair. Uh, Jonathan Coachman. 
back on Raw. What do you think? Booker T is back on the kickoff show now. Well, Booker T, uh, it's funny. I was told this by Jack Ramsey, one of our followers, last Friday. I tried to follow up on it but couldn't get a definite answer from anybody. WWE was trying to keep it really quiet. But I know that Booker T was never supposed to be a full-time guy and didn't really want to be. Right. But David Otunga got in that trouble and that set it off. I thought Booker T was hilarious I do on too. commentary. I do, too. He took everybody out of their comfort zone, and sometimes that's what you need. Coach had a rough night on Monday, but uh, that's to be expected. It's his first night back. Mm-hmm. However, he played the street a guy. curmudgeon. He kind of played a yeah, curmudgeon a on the show. He was the straight guy, and when they, when they first brought him out, he had a very kind of serious face. And yeah. my only hope for the whole thing is because when Coach was there the first time around, he kind of came off like a corporate shill a little bit. The first he time still around. is. He has been throughout ESPN, too. Okay, but here's here's what I'm wondering. So we know that Michael Cole is the ultimate corporate chill to the point that he's an, he's an, he's an annoyance. Corey Graves is a corporate chill in training, saying, uh, you know, uh, uh, the architect 87 times an hour. So is Jonathan Coachman going to turn into one of those, and is he going to be saying the boss and the architect and all that bullshit? Or do you think Oh, he's, he's the, the crafty vet of corporate chilling coming back to – Help out. You think he's, he's yeah, but do you think he's going to go apeshit on the nicknames? I didn't notice it on Raw, but I, I wasn't looking for it either. Oh, he'll he'll be told to. Uh, better believe it. I want to give credit to Percy Watson for Saturday night. I was dreading hearing that commentary without Nigel McGinnis there. But he didn't do bad at all. Yep. He, Mauro, I thought, called a great show. And I am always very, very quick to criticize Percy Watson because he never adds anything of value. And as it turns out... He never adds anything to value because what is there left to say after Morrow and Nigel McGinnis mm-hmm. are done breaking everything down? But WWE has their formula. They have play-by-play, color commentator, and without being, you know, without playing coy, they have a black color commentator. Mm-hmm. That's what they have been doing. Of On late. every show, yeah. On every, every show. single show. Yeah. If that's their criteria they want to meet, fine. But Percy Watson knocked it out of the park. Um, I think Byron Saxon's getting better. It's he right. is a little. I mean, he's still what he is. Yeah, he's all right. He's I, li- I like Booker insuff- a lot. I really like. Yeah, Booker he's a lot. less insufferable than before. But I love that Booker T. Yeah, just drag people out of their comfort zone. And, and he make- would no sell everything, and you would never hear those nicknames out of Booker T. Because he thought it was stupid. Yeah. Well, so. Booker T. Spent some time in WCW, <laughs> as did Neil Pruitt, and I talked to him about some of the production issues with WWE, specifically the shaky cam. Take a listen. Is there anything that you see in production today that you necessarily like or dislike about the changes? Like, one of the things that drives me crazy is the the nonstop zooming and the shaking and stuff like that because it doesn't necessarily reflect like real. Like, if if somebody did that in the NFL, they'd be fired like for doing that. But in WWE, it's like it's the norm. Are there any things that you like or dislike about modern day wrestling and the production that goes into it? I think it's quite interesting that you mentioned that because that's all we're not to do. I mean, if somebody's good at their craft and they're able to wrestle for real, then you don't need all that, and it distracts. I mean, I was director myself for a few different wrestling shows, and as I mentioned earlier, the sports show. So I knew what it was all about. And I was lucky because when I worked with the fame and the assassin, Jody Hamilton, who was a wrestler back in the 50s and 60s who, you know, had a really good career. I mean, I think he sold out Madison Square Garden. He's like 19 years old with his brother or something like that. Anyway, he said, for whatever reason, I really had the ability to direct right away. And it's because, you know, I knew to cut from behind the person or whatever, 
if there was a punch, you know, I knew, I knew what angle to take, you know what I mean? And angles obviously enhance it. But one thing that really does drive me nuts is every single time there's any kind of supposedly connection, like with a punch or a kick or whatever, they cut the camera too. They just, I just don't like that. I mean, yeah, maybe sometimes you should shake the camera if something really happens. Like, you know, maybe say somebody is thrown into the stairs going up to the ring. Yeah, I could do, I could deal with that. Or if somebody hits the ground and there's just a whole pile of people that, you know, are splayed out on the ground. Yeah, maybe. But yeah, I, I agree. It's just way too much. It's just too much movement. And also, I don't really like the way that they script all the wrestlers either. I mean, it's word for word verbatim. They're not actors, really. They're athletes. So you kind of got to make them go in a different direction than maybe they're used to. But they are characters. And they need to kind of say their own thing. And I think this word for word stuff, it just, it just looks too hokey. And, you know, wrestling kind of has that element in it anyway. But to go that far where trying to make these people actors, they're just not that. That's not who they are. Well, Neil, before we go, let the people know where they can find uh, your podcast. Well, you can find us uh, on the Internet. We're at uh, WCWNitroBook.com is one place. You can find us on iTunes, Neil Pruitt's Secrets of WCW Nitro. And we're also on Facebook. So if you have any questions as far as how the productions go down or what we used or how we did it, please contact us. Uh, either connect with Guy Evans or myself, and we'll try to answer for you. But thank you for listening. We appreciate it much. And thanks for having me on, Sean. All right, you guys are back. Neil Pruitt, I really like talking to him. I'm going to release that full interview this week. I always think that the production side of wrestling – it's such a fascinating aspect because it lets you know the mindset of the company as a whole when you – like I think that the shaky and the Zoom shit shows that WWE thinks their audience is morons. And they're overthinking everything. Yeah. I mean it's because so annoying. Wrestling has never been more hard-hitting than it is today. Mm-hmm. But now they feel the need to accentuate and Zoom yep. and shake and yep. all this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I, I mean, they don't know their audience. That's just how it is. Let's talk. I would a, agree. Let's talk about a couple of, uh, of new WWE signees. Seems like there's new ones all the time. So first, EC3. He debuted at NXT Takeover. He was shown at ringside under that name. Yeah. Uh, so he's gonna be part of that roster. And it's interesting because you know last year I thought NXT took a little bit of a, it was a little bit of a down year, in part because a lot of guys were called up to the main roster. But now they've really restocked the cupboards big time. Like they've got oh, a lot yeah. of solid talent. Between May of last year and even this year, I think that their roster is the best I've ever ever seen. And the call-ups of late didn't really affect them because it was Ruby Riot, Sarah Logan, Liv Morgan, Mandy Rose, Sonya Deville. Sonya Deville had the most established run of all of them, mm-hmm. and she had barely been on TV. So they took a bunch of people that hadn't really had established NXT runs, and you know, I still do think that Peyton Royce and Billy Kay with Emma would have been a much better fit on SmackDown than the Riot Squad. Like, that makes a ton of more sense to me. Right. But, uh, yeah, I love NXT right now. I When NXT comes to my area, I show up, whether it's a live event or whatever it is. When SmackDown comes around, I'm not there. You're not just going to watch NXT on your 55-inch screen? <laughs> I've got two of them, Jimmy. Two of them, mind you. The, uh, the other WWE signee that was just announced this week uh, is Jeremy Borash. 
Yeah. Uh, a bit of an interesting one. So he had been with Impact since they started in 2002. 15 years, almost 16 years. And uh, this this past weekend, he was at the WWE shows in Philadelphia. He told people that he was visiting friends. But I guess there was speculation backstage that he was working for the company. And PW Sider broke it first and since we confirmed that he has signed with, uh, with WWE. That's an interesting one, man. I mean, he was the play-by-play guy for Impact. I think they have shows in the can until April, so he's still going to be the play-by-play guy until April. God, they're going to go back to Josh Matthews. They're probably going to have to, yeah. And uh, Unless they cut him, too. because Yeah, they might. They might. And he was supposed to host the new live audio wrestling show on the Twitch channel. That ain't happening. No, nope, that's obviously not happening. So You think, you think they need a guy, Jimmy? Uh, Should we host live audio wrestling? Oh, I thought you were, I thought you were suggesting John Pollock. Yeah, that would make a lot of sense, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's it's interesting. Uh, I'm, I was never personally, I was never a big fan of Jeremy Borash as an on-air talent, personally. Uh, I just was never really a fan, but I know how many hats he wears, and yeah. uh, and I respect that. And, and I'm sure the guy wasn't exactly making a killing financially. He did it because he loved it. He, and he was a big part of the success of the broken <clears throat> stuff right. in Impact. Like, he was a big creative and production contributor to that. Right. I mean, he had a documentary in like '06, the Forever Hardcore documentary that was very, right. very good. Right, right. He has ring announcing experience. He has commentary experience. He does a lot of different things, and I think he will be a valuable asset to the company. I agree. Apparently, he's going to work in NXT. That's the word. Not only that, he might be able to show these guys how to do things on a bit of a budget too, because I'm sure that he's had some constraints. I'm sure. I know. Right now, John Pollock's got to be thinking. I'm glad I got out of that. Oh, mess. I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah, because he's doing very well yep. for himself right now. Let's uh, let's talk. Let's let's do some uh, listener questions before we wrap up. Yeah, let's do it. And you can you can join in with some of these if you want. So this first one is uh, these were all posted on Twitter. So if anybody wants to ask any questions, you can do it on Twitter at Jimmy Van seventy four. And what are you at Sean Rossap, Right. Uh, yes. Okay. You should. And they can, they can submit them at Fightful Online or our contact go. field. All right, so this first one is by a gentleman named Felting Mises. He's the one that said I'm racist <laughs> because I have this NWO photo. But again, because I laugh about that stuff, I'm posting his uh, question anyway. So he said, this was uh, after Raw 25. He said, do you agree that Billy Gunn and Shawn Michaels wearing headbands to hide their hairlines only ends up making them look older? Headbands haven't been a thing since fanny packs. Now, my opinion is, oh, I know what's happening. I know what's happening. Again, our audio listeners don't get to enjoy this stuff. It's only on video. Sean Ross Savage put on a lovely Nike headband, making it look like you're right out of 1983. <laughs> there you go. I will say this to answer the question Billy Gunn's look always included a headband, right? Yeah. Going all the way back to the 90s, his look always included a headband. Therefore, I don't think it made him look older and it didn't make him look like he was hiding his hairline. Sean Michaels, absolutely. That's why he was wearing a headband. Yep. Uh, I know Sean, from what I've heard, is very self conscious about that. Why doesn't he get Bosley at this point? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, he wouldn't look bad with a shaved head, honestly. But but yeah. uh, I, I know I've heard that he's very self conscious about it. So he absolutely wore the headband for that reason. But uh, there you go. This next one is by, and I, I apologize if I'm mispronouncing your name, DV. Uh, he said, "Jimmy Van is the Miz this generation's Booker T, top mid card guy, believable main card guy, and wife revived his career." I think Booker T and Miz, it's a fair comparison in terms of how they both had 
Charmel was with Booker T. Maurice was with The Miz. Booker and Charmel, when he was King Booker, it was a great, a great gimmick for him. But my opinion, I always looked at Booker T as a main eventer. Yeah. You know, he was five-time WCW champion, as we know. I think he was – was he ever WWE champion? I don't know anymore. But uh, I always looked at him as yeah, a main eventer. Yeah, yeah, he was. He was WWE World – he was the World, world Heavyweight champion. champion. Okay, all right. Well, I always looked at him as a main eventer. I've always looked at Miz as a mid-card guy. Uh, not as a main eventer. That's the main difference, but that's a good comparison about how they both I think their... that the gimmick revived Booker T's career more than Charmel did herself because I think Booker T could have pulled that off with any woman. I don't yeah. think that Charmel and uh, not not I don't want to take a shot at Charmel or anything. I just think Booker T was real good at that king gimmick. One of my favorite moments on commentary ever is when uh Lashley and Finley throw Batista through a table that Booker T is commentating at, and for two solid minutes, it's just Bati- or Booker T going, Batista is down! Batista is down! And then the commentators would talk for about 25 seconds, Batista is down! Over and over again. He was amazing at that role. And But I do think Maurice revived Miz's career, and he ran with it. Yep, I agree. I agree. I, it's a good comparison. Uh, this last one, this is by Paul Cook. Uh, we already kind of touched upon it. He said, do you feel Vincent Mann's involvement with WWE will be far less when the XFL is in full motion? Uh, absolutely not. I know that when they ran the last time in 2001, one of the things that you would hear about how overworked Vince was, because he was still doing everything he always did with WWE and still pulling in big hours there, but now he was adding the XFL hours on top of it. I don't think that's going to change. I know how he said in that press conference, this might be the last time you see me. I'm going to have other people run the league. But at the end of the day, that's his money. And there's no chance he's going to be hands-off when it's his money. Guaranteed, he's going to watch the show. He's going to see things he doesn't like about it. And he's going to be in there making changes. Guaranteed. And he's going to continue being in Titan Tower every day running WWE. So, oh, I just knocked Hogan down. I, I wish it was a retirement project. Let me ask you. Do you think that my attention on Fightful will decline when you move me over to community manager of TrigTent.com? Oh, I wasn't supposed to say that, was I? (laughs) You know what? Considering the massive pay cut you would take for that particular position, I'm not not concerned about that happening anytime soon. Hey, I I think I've proven my loyalty (laughs) to you. Have I not? Have I not? Somewhat. Yeah, somewhat. Somewhat. When's locker feed coming? I'm ready to. Oh man, that, it's been in beta so long, and I don't even want to talk about it. Oh man, <laughs> so long. <laughs> I, don't even I want to talk fly about to it. Fly to Toronto, go! Yeah, it's been more trouble than it's worth, honestly. But sad. Uh, yeah, that's all I got for the listener questions, man. That's that, matter of fact. I think that's my whole list this week. Hit us up with some questions on YouTube, guys. We do have a few minutes left in the show. Uh, on I, we don't have a WWE pay per view for several weeks, so. This weekend, I am uh, putting out the Elimination Chamber 2003 alternate commentary. Myself, Alex Palowski, Jeff Hawkins did one of those. I will release full editions of some of the interviews that I found from Listen Your Boy last year. Like, we have full-on interviews that we only use segments for. We got a lot of cool stuff coming there. I got a Super Bowl thread this Sunday for Fightful.com. Do you, do you follow football at all? Not much. I, I probably won't watch it. Probably. Uh, I'm going to guess Nigel won't either. Not yeah, really. I probably won't watch it. I might you know. tune in towards the end, you know, but otherwise yeah. I'm not a massive football fan. I actually have a question for you. Okay. Uh, I saw in the ESPN interview with Ronda Rousey when she was asked about her two losses, and she got a little emotional and said, I'd rather not uh, answer that right now. 
How long do you think it's going to take and which WWE talent do you think it's going to be that brings that up in a promo because you know it's going to happen? Someone's going to bring that up. They got to. Oh, and they will. Even if she doesn't necessarily want it to be brought up, it's going to be brought up. Who do you think it's going to be and how long do you think before? uh, And do you think it's going to be Stephanie that does it? I hope not because it needs to be somebody who really needs it. I agree. Who really needs it to add some heat. Uh, I remember an interview I did with Bruce Pritchard about Brawl for All, and he talked about how when King Mo and TNA had their deal and Bellator wanted to integrate, and he lost. He got knocked out by Emmanuel Newton, and Bellator and King Mo were all like, oh, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. Bruce Pritchard's like, don't. That's that's awesome. Now I have something to work with. Mm-hmm. I've got a promo I can give somebody now. Like, I've got material. Like, I've got some believability Ronda Rousey, uh, you know, people will say, oh, she's irrelevant. <laughs> no, she's not. There were a lot of people pointing out the the Rey Mysterio YouTube numbers blowing hers out of the water. Well, Ronda Rousey's got sent to ESPN for yep. them to republish, to Yahoo, to all those places. It was on TV. Yep. Like, Rey Mysterio did awesome numbers, but and everybody all, knows all of those now. all of those publications posted their own videos. Yeah, and, and they're it's irrelevant. Players. Yeah, it's irrelevant. And she is, you know, despite having that aura about her she's a little susceptible now too she could step in and you could portray that some of these women could find a way to exploit a game plan a sonia deville who's got like really great striking and stuff play that up yeah play it up yeah use it about how exactly smart like i've got the game plan to beat your ass kind of thing yeah yeah i the reason i kind of question is because you can see in that espn interview what a sore spot it is for her and yeah. I, I almost wonder if she's going to be telling because it, it, it seems clear that she talks to Triple H and not Vince McMahon. So I'm curious mm-hmm. if she's going to tell Triple H, I don't want any of that shit, you know, on television. I don't want them mentioning any of that stuff. But one of the girls, I think, I could see Nia Jax taking it upon herself to just say it, you know, or or maybe even Charlotte. I could see her taking it upon herself to just say it. If if I'm WWE, I tell all those women who are spouting off on Twitter, don't you dare say a thing about it until we can make some money off of it. Right. Right. Don't do it until we can use it in a line on Monday Night Raw that might get some attention somewhere else. Right. Because if you waste it on a tweet to where your fans will be like, oh, sick burn. <laughs> and can you imagine, can you imagine if they, let's say that they did a program with Ronda Rousey and say Sonya Deville down the road, right? Can you imagine if they brought in Holly Holm to corner Sonya Deville? Oh, my God. That'd be awesome. I don't think Rousey would go for that. I don't think she'd go for that. Oh, she might. I mean, it's a different world now. She might. you got to put your working hat on. you got to put your working hat on. But not just that, but Holly Holm was always very respectful to Ronda Rousey. Amanda Nunes was the one that was a bit of a problem with the way she handled the the victory. Holly Holm was nothing but respectful. So Ronda might be all right with it, you know? Somebody asked how we would build up the AJ Nakamura match at WrestleMania 34. You have to reference the first match. I think you have to reference their Wrestle Kingdom match. And AJ could even say, that got us both hired. They've addressed it. They've addressed yeah. it several times. I would even see if they could get footage from New Japan. I mean, why not? Yeah. Why not try? Yeah. Why not try? And I would, you got to go all in on this. And AJ's going to carry a lot of the promo stuff. I like what they've done with Nakamura. Like I said, a limited English, but he always comes off as clever. He's never one-upped when it comes to, like, being clever or things like that. Like. Right. He knows everything that's going on. He may be not always be able to convey it in what he speaks, right. but he is very aware of the situation. And I think you've got to keep both people smart. You have to keep both people— Like they did with AJ like, with Jinder Mahal. 
<laughs> they just got to yeah. get Shinsuke to stop pointing at the WrestleMania sign. Yes. <laughs> stop doing that. You have to make both men look like clever in the ring and outside the ring, and you're going to have to carry it for a couple months. Yeah. But yeah. having having AJ or Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens to work off of during that time, that's a real benefit because you have another program that you can slide in there and get some more life out of this. And I was I was surprised that they didn't slide Ty Dillinger just into the match just to do it as like Shane McMahon trying to thwart it because those two knocked him out at the Rumble. Like I thought they would try to give him that. I think that they look at him as glorified uh, enhancement talent. Yeah, probably. Well, I mean, he is. is. Yeah, he, he is. is. Yeah, he is. I uh, speaking to Kevin Owens, I, I just popped into my head the spot from the Rumble when AJ was cutting off the corner, and he wouldn't let he wouldn't yeah. let Kevin Owens tag out. So Kevin Owens rolled out of the ring, sprinted as fast as he could around the other side, rolled in, tagged out, rolled back I out. That was, that was I, brilliant. I loved it because how many times have we seen a guy get cut off from the ring, and he stands there like, oh, I'm screwed now. You know what I mean? Yeah. I if I loved were it. WWE, I would put like almost a mandate on no more no more making our refs look like dipshits. Right. Come up with something creative, something new. Right. Right. And again, like respect the intelligence of your audience because the people know what's going on. Yeah. You know what I mean? So respect it. So yeah. I would agree. Yep, I agree. Is that all we got today, Jimmy? That's all we got, man. I got stuff to do. I do too. Yeah, gonna take a couple hours off later. Play this new UFC game, Jimmy. Do you ever pick up the sticks? I'm glad you're. Uh, I'm. <laughs> I'm glad you're working hard. Yeah. Oh yeah. Glad. I'm glad I I'm take a, take a few hours off on a Wednesday night. I'm not working hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. We got to find a meme that goes with that, Nigel. Yeah, something. You'll find something. Fightful.com. You guys visit. We got UFC uh, Brazil this Saturday. I'll do a post show probably uh, late Saturday, early Sunday on that as well. Live coverage, all kinds of stuff. Tons of MMA exclusives this week. Of course, we always have pro wrestling exclusives. Visit us. Hit up Jimmy Van at JimmyVan74 on Twitter. Tell him how racist he is. Hit me up at <laughs> Tell me I'm the franchise. That I, I am Fightful. Tell me, let me know <laughs> that at Fightful.com, we have it locked down. Until next time, we're out. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Transform your home in one weekend with paint from Menards. Get a paint that combines durability and gorgeous color. Dutch Boys DuraClean Interior Paint and Primer in One offers Stay Clean technology, making your home stay beautiful and clean longer. And with Dutch Boys Easy Opening Smooth Pouring Container, transforming your home has never been easier. Save big money on Dutch Boy paints and head into Menards to get your paint project started today. Save